0: The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Uh, turn your Bibles, draw your swords, if you will, which of course is God's Word. Take your Bibles, go to Acts, the first chapter, Acts chapter 1. Whether it's your device or your hard copy Bible, but whatever it is, you need a copy. If you know how to read, or even a young child, and you're learning how to read, I hope that your parents would have a a copy in front of you to help guide you through God's Word as we go through His Word this morning. Uh, If you were to go church to a football game, you would notice three teams present on the field. There's the home team and there's the visiting team and these two teams are in opposition of each other. One team is trying to take the ball down one side of the field and the other team is doing the opposite. They're trying to take the ball down the other side of the field and if you've ever seen one of these games you know that there is much chaos and conflict and confusion especially when there's Uncertainty about the way a play just happened and and what the rules exactly are and those types of things and and there's chaos out on the field amongst these teams that have their own agenda of taking the ball down a particular distance of the field. But you if you watch one of these games you'll notice also a third team on the field. It's the team of officials. Now this team is on the field but they're not of the field. You see, they don't play or work for either team. They are officials of the league as a whole overall. And what the team of officials' job to do is is to bring this chaotic, confusing scenario of all these agendas trying to take place and to use the rulebook that is officiated at 345 Park Avenue in New York City. Uh, and they are to be officiates of the league and of the rules. They have this rulebook that is the final say-so of how the play goes and what the exact rules ought to be for this game of play. Now they don't just have a rule book. They also have authority. They have power invested in them such that these officials are out on this field of play again that they are on and in but not of. And they have the authority and power to have the final say so in how this all ought to look How this confusing, everybody running around with their own agenda, how things ought to be, and they bring calm and peace into this world of chaos and confusion. You and I live in a world today with much chaos and confusion on the field of life as you and I know it. There's people running around with their own agendas of things that they're trying to do, whether it's advancing their career or advancing their status or whatever it is of their own agenda, taking the ball down the field that they're trying to do. But there is chaos and confusion in the field of life. Now, you and I don't work for any of these teams that are on this confused, chaotic field. Uh, we pre- predominantly don't work for this team of carrying the ball of finance down the road or, or carrying the ball of social justice issues. All those are important and very vital in our world today, but, but that is predominantly not our goal to carry that ball down the field. Our job is to, not, is to be on the field, but not of the field. We work for the league. Uh, we are the officials from above. And, and we not only have a rule book, everyone say amen, But what I'd like to preach today is that we also have power or authority to make what is in this word true and making it known to the world around us. We've been preaching about discipleship of which today will be the last in this series of Disciple, Be One, Make One. We have preached about the cost, the importance of, and the joy in discipleship. I'd like to preach today about the power To be a disciple maker. What is it that infuses us with the ability to be able to be a disciple maker? So if you're in Acts chapter 1, I invite you to look to verse 8. And it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. If you know your Bible well, this is recording... Jesus' last earthly words before his ascension. It's a scheduled meeting with many of his disciples around him. And he's he's sharing this last little thing, this last little piece of his verbal words of during his earthly ministry that he would give his followers. The last thing that he wanted to leave with them with was the reminder that they have the power to be his witnesses. So look to your neighbor and say, Do you have power? Try it again, say, Do you have power? And look back and say, you can be His witness. Now notice with me, church, the things that Jesus did not say that we needed to be His witness. Or His witnesses. (laughs) Jesus did not say, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive money so that you can be My witnesses. Jesus did not say that. Jesus did not say, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive great influence or popularity so that you can be My witnesses. Jesus did not say that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive good looks or an overwhelming sense of social justice or a great ability to communicate. Jesus did not even say when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be receive power to be my witnesses based on the rule book that you'll have, based on the entirety of the Word of God that you'll have. It was not even that that would give us power. It was surely power that we needed to be disciple makers. So what is it that we can say about power for discipleship that you and I have? So look back to that verse we just read in verse 8. And this is actually the only verse as our main text that will be in today. And I know that's very uncommon of me and for our church to only look at one text, but you're looking uncommonly good today. So we'll stay with this one verse right here as we look at it in detail. It says, but you shall, everyone shout the word shall. Receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall, everyone say it again, shall shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and the end of the earth. Now, when this word shall is used in one verse, it's God's way of saying slow down and take note. How many of us have been driving down a windy country road, which there's lots of them out here, and you come up upon that little S curve on that sign. And what that what is that sign communicating to us? It's saying, slow down. There's something coming up ahead that requires your full attention. And anytime in Scripture as you're being an interpreter and a an student of God's Word and you see the same word used twice, it's God's way of saying, slow up a moment. There's something coming up ahead that requires your full attention. And this word shall is used twice. So let's slow down and take note of what is actually happening here. We know that this is... Jesus prior to the ascension. It's a scheduled meeting. He had already determined the place that this meeting would take place with his disciples. And it tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that there were about 500 brethren present at this particular meeting. And we know that the 11 apostles, it would have been 12, but you have minus out Judas, so you have 11. So, and they were a part of those brethren there, so you have about 489, give or take a few, About 489 disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, at this meeting presently. And Jesus says to these disciples, to his followers, that are going to to witness his ascension into heaven. And he says two things. You shall receive power, and you shall be witnesses of me. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and Jesus makes these two shalls inseparable integrated, intertwined, interwoven, inseverable in a way that you absolutely cannot have one without the other. So we could say, in other words, to be a disciple means that you shall receive power, and therefore you shall be witnesses of Jesus Christ. Now, I believe that we could also take this backwards to give us a very clear understanding of God's Word. And if you don't see this clearly or disagree with me, then I invite you warmly and welcomely to, to come and talk to me about it after the service. But I think we could rightly say, to not be a witness of Jesus is to not have power and therefore to not be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You see, church, in God's economy, the authentic Christian walk goes something like this. The sinner is drawn by the Father. The sinner recognizes their sin. They turn, the repent word that everyone's scared of in these in this world today. They repent from their sin, they turn, and there's real change in their life. Their life has honestly been impacted and touched by the Son of God. They've been forgiven and redeemed of their sin. They're no longer guilty and no longer shameful, but they're encased in this perfect righteousness before their Father. And they have been changed by God. Everyone say amen. And the Bible says that that person will be filled with the Holy Spirit resulting in this power that will cause them to go out and be witnesses of Jesus Christ. It's kind of interesting, back in biblical days, if a mother took some fabric and wanted to make a dress for her young daughter, uh, perhaps she would go to the market and and buy a a blank roll uh, of fabric. And fabric back in those days before it was dyed was kind of this off-tan beige kind of color. And so commonly, people when they bought fabric would then go straight from the fabric store over to the dye maker. And the dye maker, you would give them your fabric and give them however much it costs for them to dye these different cuts of fabric, the different colors that you wanted for whatever projects or clothing that you were working on for your family. So if a mother took this fabric and took it to the dye maker and said, here's the money I'd like for this fabric to be dipped in pink dye, this this dye maker would take the fabric and dip it down into this dye. And when she would bring or he would bring this fabric back up out of the dye, it was, it was forever changed. No matter how many times it got wet or no matter how many times it was washed, it was forever going to be a, a pink piece of cloth then. And in God's economy, church, when we are dipped in the blood of Jesus Christ, we are never again the same. Everyone say yes. We're never the same again once we've been washed of the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no going back. There's no being dropped out of the grip of His love. There's none of that that the world so many times dabbles in. There's none of that. We're changed forever by His great grace and His great mercy. Now, church, in the human economy, the progression too often goes something like this. The sinner is drawn by the Father, recognizes sin, maybe, turns from sin, maybe, filled with the Holy Spirit, maybe, and thus it's not true power that they're filled with to witness. And when they try to wit- be a witness for Jesus Christ, it's all done illegitimately. They're not full of the true Holy Spirit. They, they maybe had an emotional experience at church, but, but it's not legitimate. They've been like a piece of cloth that was dipped into something that wasn't actual real dye some some kind of staining liquid that would just wash out completely with water it's it's not legitimate could you imagine church if a debate came about on a football field and some fan some football fan with a rule book runs out there and opens it up before the players and tries to tell them what it, there, there's no power inside of them. There's nothing invested inside of them that makes them an official. They just have, they just have the rule book. That's, that's all they have. There's nothing in them that makes this authentic or genuine in any way whatsoever. And can I just tell you, church, what the world needs today and needs desperately is authentic Christianity with real power from the Holy Spirit. What we need today is, is true, authentic Christianity. People that are willing to say, I'm never going back. I'm going to preach the gospel no matter what happens. I'm going to continue on even though there's chaos around me and I know that there's power inside of me to preach this gospel and to be His witnesses. What I've heard pastors say before, well-intentioned pastors certainly, they'll say things like people need trained to be disciple makers. And don't get me wrong, there's certainly a place to be a student of God's Word. That's very important. But this idea that people somehow need to go through a six week long class before they can ever know how to share their faith or or ever do anything for the kingdom of God is is scripturally bogus. Uh, Try telling Zacchaeus that he needed to be trained in discipleship before he went out and gave gave you and me even still to this day is giving us lessons about repentance as he goes about and and paying everyone back that he had robbed. And, And Zacchaeus didn't have any of that training. His life had simply been touched by the son of God. The man that was born blind and he's going around saying, I don't even know who Jesus was. I don't know if he was a sinner or not. All I know is that I was blind and now I can see. And he's in the synagogue. He's with the religious Jewish leaders that are asking him and he's giving them a lesson about the power of God. He didn't have any of that training. He didn't have any theology. All that had happened to him was that his life had been touched by the Son of God. Need I go on? I could tell you more of the demon-possessed man. He goes back to his city and he tells people about the wonderful works of God. The Samaritan woman does the same thing. These people didn't have formal training. They didn't go through the four-week, six-week, eight-week Bible class about discipleship. Their life had simply been touched by the Son of God. I think of Isaiah when he was called and the angel brings that coal and touches it to his lips. And, 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 and Isaiah is, is seeing the holiness of God in, in, in view of his own sinfulness. And he's saying, I'm undone. I am undone. And then just shortly thereafter, God says, who will go for us? Whom shall I send? And Isaiah says, send me. Here I am, send me. Why did he do that? Did he have great training? Certainly he saw something of God's majesty and God's holiness, but, but his life had been touched by God. And it changed him. It changed him from the inside out. So if you feel like taking notes this morning, which I certainly hope you do either on a notebook, on your bulletin, or in the margin of your Bible if you take notes in your Bible. Authentic personal conversion. Authentic personal conversion is vital to authentic power. Emphasis on the authentic. You can underline those words. So church, if you don't want to be a phony running around that's simply a fan of God's word, that's just a fan of some of the things that are happening on the field of life like social justice issues and race issues that are so prominent in our culture today. If you don't want to be a phony that just has God's Word but no authentic power inside of you, the answer to that is to be converted by the Lord Jesus Christ. Let Him impact your life personally. Look in the mirror and let Him change your sinful heart. Let Him change your eternal home from hell into heaven. That's what I plead of you this morning, church, if you're following me so long, say yes. One last illustration that I'll give you of this point and, and then we'll move on from there. Uh, church, if whatever town, I know we have many people today that are not just from Johnstown, but Utica and Croton and Heath and Newark and all over and, and and we're glad that you're here for sure. But just imagine in your own hometown, your own street, wherever wherever your sphere of influence is. Imagine that among Licking County, Knox County, our, our surrounding region as a whole, Imagine there was a severe drought, and I mean so severe like has never been seen in the history of mankind before. Everyone's wells are run dry, cities no longer have water, they're trucking water in, and city, municipals are, are stealing water from one another because everyone is running out of water. Let's, let's just pretend for a moment that that happened. And let's say you're at the grocery store and, and you run into one of your neighbors down the road that you know and... And with a smile on his face, he says to everyone, I've I've got water in my well. And and anytime my family wants, we just walk up to the sink and fill up a glass of cold, clear, clean well water. And we drink to the fullest. And then you look at the man and you realize that his lips are chapped. And his skin is dry. And his cheekbones are sunken in. And and he's he's having the effects in his body of of extended periods of time of dehydration. And, And you look at him and think, He doesn't have any water in his house. (laughs) He's a phony. He doesn't have have water in his house. Look at his lips. They're all cracked and bleeding. And he doesn't have water in his house. And church, can I just tell you, there are many quote-unquote Christians today that are walking around with cracked, dry, bleeding lips in their spiritual life. And they're saying they have water, but they don't. They don't have water inside of them, inside their house. They don't have the true power of the Holy Spirit given them because they have not had their own authentic conversion before the Lord Jesus Christ. So be converted of the Lord today, I would plead with you. Disciples, we're to make one and we're first to be one. Everyone shall be one. Now look back to God's word at verse 8. We'll read it again, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What if, what if Jesus said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses of me, period. What if he said only that? Can you think of some things that this 489 some odd disciples, followers of Jesus Christ might have said to him? I don't know for certain because it didn't happen that way. He included the Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. He included those things for a reason. And I think the reason is simply this is because he knows our hearts. And here's what I mean by that. We know the story of the Pharisee in Luke 10. He was the very astute, very learned man. He was, he was very intellectual in his understanding of Scripture. And, and he goes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And this highly trained, very educated, very astute man says the stupidest question ever. He says, who's my neighbor? What a dumb question. I mean, you could just see in this man the bent that he had to not love his neighbor. It was clear. And we see the same true in in Jonah, in Jonah chapter 4 after God shows great mercy and kindness upon this great city called Nineveh that, that Jonah was trying to run away from because he knew that God was good. And, and, and Jonah even says in chapter 4, he, he says, Oh Lord, after he sees this great city be saved, and, and God relented from the harm that he was going to do, he says, Oh Lord, was this not the reason that I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. I mean, you can just see it all up in the heart of Jonah that he was bent not to love his neighbor. Clearly, we see that in him. We see that in Peter, Matthew chapter 18. He comes up to Jesus says, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? Up to seven times? I mean, you see this bent even in Peter not to not to love his neighbor. So I just think perhaps that if Jesus standing on that mountain where He was getting ready to ascend into heaven, if He were to have just said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be witnesses of Me, period. If that was all He said, I, I, I can almost guarantee that the next question out of those, all those disciples' mouths would have been, Well, who do we have to witness to? I mean, they would have asked that kind of question, that same kind of bent to not loving our neighbor type of question. There is a continual draw of that, which is why I think so clearly that Jesus outlines Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the end of the earth. Any question there? No, there's no question there. You preach the gospel to everyone. You tell of the great works of God to everyone. You tell the great things that God has done in your life, even if it's unpopular. You that's what we're called to do. And I'm not going to pretend church that my heart or your heart are that much different than Peter and Jonah. And the Jews of the day of Jesus, and all the examples we have in the Bible of this bent to be selfish and to not love our neighbor. I'm not going to pretend today that you or I are, are very different than that. What what we're called to do is to preach and share with everyone. That's why Jesus said in Mark chapter 16 verse 15, He says, and He said to them, Go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Every creature, if it's got a pulse, share the God's love with them. If it's got, I mean, I already told Abby, I said, you know. God's Word says to preach the good news to every creature, so when you see me out there throwing hay to the horses, I'm going to throw the hay to the horse, and I'm going to be like, horse, I'm going to give you this hay, but you better repent of your sin and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ before I give you this bale of hay. Listen, church, has it ever occurred to you, and this is an important question, for this is an important thing for me and you, especially in the life of our churches, as we are a growing body of believers here at New Covenant. Has it occurred to you? Because it occurred to me and convicted me deeply. It is not up to you, and it is not up to me the size of God's church, of this church, of, of New Covenant Community Church with this with His Jesus, not the president of an organization, but the head of an organism. It is It is not our decision how big or small the local congregation here at New Covenant Community Church is. That is not up to me. That is not up to you. It is not our body. It is not our bride. This, us, me, you, all this belongs to Jesus. And if you're happy about that, say yes. It is not up to us. We we are to say yes and amen, Lord. You say preach the gospel to every creature. If it's got a pulse, check it. I'm preaching the gospel to it. That's how we're going to move forward at New Covenant Community Church, just as Jesus commanded us. So, when we decide to reject the human tendency to be rude to our neighbor, and we decide that we're going to be someone who who tells of the way that God has touched our lives and the way that He saved us and redeemed us and forgiven us and blessed us and loved us and healed us, when we decide to be that kind of disciple in God's kingdom in that way, we're going to find very quickly, if we haven't already, that we are totally, totally, totally lacking. And perhaps you have a similar experience of me when I was young and Reawaken to the love that God had for me and how He had forgiven me. And, man, I mean, I was just, I, for those as a teenager, I, was, I would stand in the very back of the church and I would pray that no one would come come talk to me because I was, I was a wreck. A. a a blessed redeemed going to heaven joyful wreck as tears streamed out of my face and I ugly cried every Sunday for weeks on end and then God started calling my heart to ministry and started calling me to preach and and I would see my pastor get up there and he would start preaching and and then I would start going to bed at night and I wouldn't fall asleep but I would just sit there and I would preach my own sermons in my head and I knew that God was drawing me to do this and drawing me to proclaim His goodness in my life and and all throughout the counsel of God and His Word and I thought to myself God I can communicate with livestock better than I can people like what? why are you calling me I, I am totally inadequate to be able to do this so if you're taking notes again the second thing you can write down authentic power is vital to authentic Christian witnessing authentic power is vital to authentic Christian witnessing again the point there being authentic underline those words because there's people all around us faking it, all kinds of churches faking it, all kind. I mean, it, it's hard to say you, you can you can buy fake everything. You can buy fake food. You can buy fake body parts to put on yourself. I mean, it's cra- there There's so much fakeness in the world going on right now. And, and what I'm preaching is is authentic power that has come inside of us. This is not an emotional feeling that we have felt, but we know that we have been changed. Our eternal home has been changed by the Son of God. And that power wells up inside of us and and we can't help but be like Zacchaeus and that blind man and the Samaritan woman and the formerly demon-possessed. We just can't help but go around and and share the good news of God because God has touched our lives. You know, it's very interesting, uh, 9-11 was certainly a, a tragedy, the worst tragedy of, of my lifetime, and probably the same for all of us, I might imagine. Um, a terrible tragedy. Uh, travel will never be the same again. Uh, flying in an airplane. I mean, we, we, you, anywhere in the world, everywhere in the world, airports are constructed differently now. Uh, just a few evil men serving and worshiping a false god changed the way that we travel throughout the world forever simply because of their devotion to a false, wicked God. So what I want to encourage you this morning in church is how much more, somebody say amen, how much more, church, should you and I, serving the true and living God, because of our devotion to Him, be able to change the world forever? The disciples were just a few. We're more than just the disciples. We should have it easy. We have the entirety of God's Word. We have His Holy Spirit helping us. There is no reason why we should not be able to completely humiliate wicked, evil men who serve a false, wicked God and change the world forever. We should look, that look like nothing, like, like kids' talk compared to what we can do in changing the world and changing Johnstown and being a force for the Gospel of Jesus Christ. If you believe that, say amen. Brian and I would invite you to come now. Church, everyone else is coming out of the closet. We might as well too. Listen, what God has called us to is sweet. This is, a, this is a precious privilege that we would be redeemed of God's kingdom and His child. I can't keep this to myself. I can't do it. I can't. And I hope you have come to a place in your heart where you see the chaos going on and you think, what else am I going to do? Am I going to attach myself to the, to the agendas of life as people run down the field with their own agenda? I mean, come on. That, every, new agendas pop up of all these things that people get all excited about and, and then it just fizzles out into nothing. But, but if you want to be a part of the team of officials, amen? If, you, if you want to be not of the field, but simply in it, with the rule book and the power from the Holy Spirit to say, here's what God's Word says, here's how God's Word has changed me, let me tell you about the great works of God because God has touched my life. Do you believe that you can do that this morning, church? You can't do it in yourself, but with the Holy Spirit you have all that you need. Would you stand with me? Not only do you have all that you need in the Holy Spirit to be His witness, you have all that you need in eternity to be His child. To be forgiven of the Lord Jesus Christ. I cannot remind myself enough of this truth. You cannot be reminded enough of this great truth of God. That because of what Jesus did on the cross, because He was powerful over death, had no power over Jesus. Death thought it could kill Jesus. I mean, Jesus triumphed over those things. Amen. Because He can triumph over those things, It's not like He just barely saved you. He has everything that you need for eternity. For hundreds of thousands of millions of years in heaven, worshiping Jesus and all of your sin wiped clean because of what Jesus did on the cross and raising to life on the third day. Let's pray. Father, I praise You, Jesus. We love You, God, for what it is that You've done for us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit in a way that we have never experienced before. A power and a boldness to share your word in a way that we never have before, God. God, so many of us have been inefficient, we've been stagnant, we've been lazy, we've been deceived, God. God, let this be an authentic journey for us. This life, as your word says, is but a vapor. So, so if we're going to live for but a vapor here on this world, we're, we're, let it be an authentic vapor. Let, let, it be a, let it be a life. Let it be a vapor that we can look back on our deathbed and say, yes, I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I gave Him my all. I gave Him my gifts, skills, t- talents, and abilities. I gave Him everything I had to leverage for His kingdom. I served Him. I served Him and I loved Him. I was not stagnant. I was not I was not an unfruitful vine in the kingdom of God, but I produced fruit, and more fruit, and more fruit, and more fruit. This is Your work in us, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, we invite You and plead to do what only You can do in our lives. We are ill-equipped. I am an ill-equipped pastor. I am an ill-equipped preacher. I am an ill-equipped man of God. And we stand here weak before You, Jesus. But if Your Holy Spirit would fill us, if we are kingdom-minded believers, then we will be emboldened with power to say that we will not stop, we will not fail, and we will produce fruit in Your kingdom as we see it grow and as we see You pleased with our lives. In Jesus' name. And all the church says.